Welcome to the Reiki Gateway Podcast with Reiki Masters Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy. Journey with us and let's explore what lies beyond the Reiki Gateway. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Reiki Gateway. This is Kathleen Johnson, here with my co-host, Andrea Kennedy, and today's episode is about past lives. We've had such a tremendous response to our previous two episodes about past lives that we wanted to follow up with another one, and we decided to do this one with a little bit of a twist, past lives through the lens of Reiki. I am super excited for this episode. You may remember that our previous two episodes involved, first of all, Dr. Linda Backman, who presented her information that she's uncovered during thousands of past life regressions about soul types. And then the follow-up to that was Andrea and I discussing our personal, sometimes very personal, past life experiences. So we're excited to offer you yet another episode about this endlessly fascinating topic. That's right, Kathleen. I have just really been super excited about the whole past life subject and the response, like you said, from the listeners has been absolutely fabulous. And when we were discussing this topic for today's podcast, I had a memory of you mentioning something and I remember being super curious about it. And it was on another episode. We didn't concentrate on it too much, but you mentioned chakras, past life chakras. And I had never heard of that before. I got really curious about that. You did explain a little bit, but I'd really appreciate knowing more about that. And especially now, if we're going to look through the Reiki lens at past lives and kind of circle back to that topic, then I'd like to know more about these chakras. Where are they? How do they work? How do we access them? I mean, I could go on and on with some questions here, but, um, you know, we are just <laughs> mainly all tuned into the seven major chakras, you know, and of course, Reiki people know that we have other chakras, like in the palms of the hands, for example. But what can you tell us about past life chakras? Oh, I'm happy to, Andrea. Um, first of all, I think I should just clarify that I came to uh, Reiki after my training in past life regression. I know I've mentioned that before, but for those who've not listened before, I just want to clarify that that was my first true spiritual training type of thing. So when I came to Reiki or when Reiki found me, I was very tuned into the whole past life concept very much. And I've also been very interested in the energy body, the study of the chakras. So I also brought that with me into my Reiki practice. And one of the things I learned was about all the off-body chakras, the secondary ones, the tertiary ones. We have hundreds of them. And as you said, when we learn Reiki, we focus primarily on the seven primary ones. That is just the tip of the iceberg, if you will, on the energetic body. So I have known about the past life chakras for some time. It's just that initially I didn't really use them in sessions until I received guidance to do so. When I do a Reiki session, I think I'm a lot like you, Andrea. I always allow the energy to do what it knows how to do best. 
and I try to just step back and not let myself interfere. But at the same time, I receive guidance during the sessions. And when that guidance comes in, I follow it. I think it's important to do so because it comes in for a reason. I started receiving guidance to treat the past life chakras. So I do that a lot now for a lot of reasons. I can touch on that later. But the past life chakras are off body chakras. They are located behind the ear, but slightly out from the head. So say, I'm not good at this kind of thing, but I'd say maybe two inches or so, slightly above the ear and out from the head. What I have found when I started working with the past life chakras is that if there is past life information that needs to be conveyed to the client, it is often while I'm channeling Reiki to those where that information will come through, either to me, and I will then convey it to the client afterwards, or to the client. Sometimes the client will receive that information directly. So I have noticed that the past life chakras have been playing a bigger part in my sessions for the past couple of years. And I actually asked Reiki about that, like, what's the deal with the past life chakras all of a sudden? And I was told more than once that past lives are forming an integral part of our collective healing and our collective evolution and growth as we live through this very critical and pivotal time in the development of humanity and the planet. So accessing past lives and working through whatever karmic residue exists is vitally important at this time. That's the guidance I'm receiving from Reiki, and that's why I've been guided to continue working with the past life chakras. So that's really interesting to me. If I do a Reiki session, especially, you know, now everything for me is distance. And that's actually one of our most popular episodes. There's no distance in distant Reiki. If you recall that episode, it's been right. quite popular. But yes. um, and I just love distance Reiki. And often and I speak to a lot of people about this, and I know you do, too. Often so much more information comes through for both the practitioner and the recipient uh, intuitively in a distant session. And my theory on that, I guess, is we're in our own spaces. So we have that sort of physical separation where we're not interacting in each other's presence, I guess. So I think we have less interference energetically is what I'll call that. And so things can come through a lot yes. clearer. And I could completely see me... Um, in a session now, perhaps placing my hands, of course, through intention at my client's past life chakras. Maybe that is something that mm -hmm. we could try as practitioners and experiment with with our clients and see what we experience there. Perhaps that's one reason this is coming up. But you're talking about collectively that this is so important. I think it's very good that we're talking about this because I know a lot of Reiki practitioners listen, and this could give them a different technique, something new to experiment with, again, to tap into the past life chakras and see what comes out. I, I think it's a wealth of information that we might learn about. And if it helps the clients, which, you know, we talked about that on that last episode, Kathleen, where you and I shared 
about our past life regressions, it is so healing to find out about your past lives. If more practitioners with Reiki or any energy modality that works with chakras, if we will tune into that a little bit more, just imagine all the the wonderful healing that may be able to occur for people just giving extra attention to those chakras. So thank you for offering that to us so that we might try something if we haven't been doing that already. Oh, of course. I'm always happy to share whatever I've learned because I think it's that's why we're here. We're not hoarding it for our own use. We are here to share it. And I think it's vitally important that we do so. I also know that there are no coincidences and everything is purposeful. So the fact that we are here talking about this today to our listeners and maybe they can convey it to others, that can have a great ripple effect on practitioners adding the treatment of past life chakras to their sessions. And I hope so, because I do think it is important and I do think it's something that needs to be attended to, if you will. And I also think, you know, I agree so much with what you said about the distance sessions. I just, when you were talking, I'm nodding my head going, yes, because there is no interference. I really like that part of it. Now, there's parts of the in-person sessions that I miss. I will, I'm not going to deny that. But Mm -hmm. the distance sessions, as you said, the information tends to come through so much more clearly. I think it is just what you said. It's because the physical is not interfering in any way. When we are working with someone in a session in our space, personally, our energies are colliding. I mean, they are colliding Mm -hmm. constantly. You can't help it. Our energy fields do that when we're in the proximity of someone else. But our physical energy is not colliding with the person when we're doing distance sessions. And we kind of remove that from the equation and we Mm -hmm. can deal just in a much more, I want to say, pure way in channeling Reiki. And I do get much clearer information. So I'm really glad you brought that up because I know our episode on distant Reiki was quite popular. And uh, I was happy about that because I'm hoping it has helped some practitioners to try distant Reiki if they haven't already done so. Yes. And perhaps clients too, because I've heard from so many students and practitioners saying that my clients are reluctant to go from in-person to distance, but the ones who do are really glad they did because they do exactly recognize those unique benefits of it. And uh, anyway, we could right. talk about distance Reiki probably all day long. It's just so <laughs> awesome. But yeah, um, we could. <laughs> we yeah, we could. Now that you've explained a little bit more about the past life chakras, Kathleen, do you have any other techniques that we might experiment with as well during a Reiki session? I think. I'd like everyone to know that before I started treating the past life chakras, I employed a method called the psyche position. And I have yet to see this anywhere else. And I'm putting it out there for the listeners or anyone who may want to try this. I was taught this technique in my Reiki One class years ago. And what it involves is you place your non-dominant hand under the client's neck, like near the mouth of God, that near that divot, you know, near the base of the skull. And you put your dominant hand over their third eye and you channel Reiki from that position. I do that 
after I do the um, crown position in my Reiki sessions. Initially, I was getting so much past life information when I held my hands in that position. I still continue to use that position, even though I still treat the past life chakras as well. And it's such an intimate energy position if you think about it. You have a hand near the mouth of God through which the messages come, and then you also have another hand over the third eye, you know, our center of intuition. So it is a very intimate energy connection at that point. I have found that if I'm going to receive past life information, especially early on in my practice, I would get it there. I just wanted to pass that along. So anyone wants to try that, go for it. Thanks for offering that other technique, Kathleen. And so if I heard you correctly, you start at the crown and then you do the psyche position and then you do the past life chakras. Is that correct? Or do you mix that up? I mix it up. I think of the hand positions as guidelines at this point. I typically start um, hands over the face, then on either side of the ears, and then the crown. And then I do the psyche position and typically the, the past life chakras. But depending on the client and my guidance, it's certainly not set in stone. I try to just let the session flow as it needs to. Right. I totally agree. I, I always have, you know, my first starting position is usually the crown and I might stay there for about 10 seconds and I'm off somewhere else because it's just the way it needs to be. So I totally understand what you're saying right. about that. Right. I'd be really interested to know, Kathleen, if you have some examples of what's happened in sessions that you might uh, share with the listeners. I always find that stuff fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the experiences are very interesting, not only to experience, but to listen to and to think about later. They bring a lot of interesting information to me and give me a lot of things to think about. So, yeah, I've had so many clients over the years have past life information arise during the course of a Reiki session. I'm going to tell everyone about one in particular whose past life in a particular lifetime played out over a series of months. It was incredible. It was as if each Reiki session, and she was a regular client, she would come usually every two weeks, and her past life story in this particular past life that she was accessing played out literally over months of Reiki sessions. It was incredible, and I've not had anything like that since then. I had never experienced that before or after. And it should be noted that that was really the first time I'd had any kind of in-depth past life information. And it always came to me. It never came to the client during the session. It was like I could write a book about this, and I'm writing notes furiously in my little notepad <laughs> so I don't forget any of this. And it was it was hard for me to write fast enough because it was just coming in, but it was amazing. So was this over distance then, or were you in person with her? No, these sessions were done in person. This was way before COVID. This was when, I would say, within a few years of me starting my practice. I wasn't really doing much distant work at that time because I had clients, you know, coming in person and I just enjoyed it. It was fine the way it was. But no, this client was an in-person client and 
I'll let you know how it all unfolded. The life took place in the American Old West. And, you know, it was a tale of love and betrayal and redemption and jealousy and greed. It was like a soap opera set in the Old West. Every time she would come for a session, she would go, I wonder what installment we're going to get today. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd be like, well, we'll see. I don't know if we're going to get anything. But more often than not, we had the next installment. And she was one of those clients who I really love working with because she kept notes and she would write notes during our after session discussion. She had quite a journal an account of this past life over a period of several months. And it involved her as a man in the Old West. She was in love with a, and this sounds like a joke, but it's not. (laughs) She was in love with a woman who worked in a saloon, probably a prostitute, okay? And there was another gentleman in the picture who was the sheriff of the town, and he was also in love with this woman. And this was during the gold rush to make it even more complex. (laughs) And uh, it was during the gold rush. So there was a lot of greed and uh, people like scrambling for gold and basically hurting each other to find the gold, that kind of thing. It was a difficult time, to say the least. What ultimately happened was... The sheriff of the town, who was very corrupt and in the pockets of, you know, government agencies and all, ended up killing my client and Mm. buried his body at the time in one of the abandoned gold mines. He never did get to fulfill his relationship with the woman he was in love with. And the reason for his murder was the jealousy on the sheriff's behalf. He was jealous of the saloon woman's love for my client. And this just played out over and over again. It even went into how the crime eventually came to light. And this was all after my client had quote unquote died. So it was sort of the, okay, this is the after effect of everything that happened. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, the after effect, that's a whole nother thing. I I guess I have several questions. So if this unfolded over quite some time, what was the feedback from your client about how this intertwined or related to her current lifetime? Did she offer any insight into that? Yes, she did. And it was fortunate. Well, probably it worked out this way because spirit watches out for us. But she is a very intuitive person, uh, very spiritual. She, as I said earlier, she took copious notes after our sessions as I was relating this information to her. And she was able to identify the soul energy of all the people in this drama. I can't describe it any other way. And it answered so many questions for her about her relationships in her current incarnation. She has had a series of relationships that were less than healthy. She's had a a difficult, tumultuous relationship with her current partner. And she was able to recognize those souls as the ones from this Old West scenario. After the session, she would report to me, 
when she came for her next session that she had had so many insights about the information that was revealed that continued to reveal itself and emerge and explain so much about her current life to the point where everything sort of evened itself out with her current relationships. The revealing of these, this particular past life, especially, created so much healing within her. It was remarkable to observe over time. Simply remarkable. Do you think that, or did she let you know? Did she have any discussions with the people in her relationships currently about this work? I mean, what do you think about that? When people have these things revealed, do you think it's healthy or a good idea to maybe go to your partner and say, hey, in a past life, you know, you were this (laughs) to me and you did this. And how do we bridge that between what we learn about past lives and our current relationships? Uh, Can you talk about that? Of course. And that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that, but that's a great question. She is a very spiritual person and her partner and some of the other, you know, individuals in this drama are very well known to her and she's comfortable with them. So she did tell them about all these things. She was never shy about her spirituality and her beliefs and Neither were the close people in her lives. Maybe they didn't always agree with her, but they were open to it. You bring up a really good point. Like, what do you do when you get this kind of information? I I think the answer to that is, it depends. And I hate to say that, but it's true. I mean, what is your relationship with the people that you recognize as the people in your past life? Or is this something that will help the relationship? Or is this something that's going to further harm it if it's in a bad place? And it's also about, you know, your comfort level. Like, how comfortable are you with sharing this type of information? I I really think that's a question that everyone needs to answer for themselves about sharing this. Overall, though, I have found, and it's been my experience, that when this information is shared, you're surprised at the way it's accepted. I've been very surprised, and I've had quite a few people over the years tell me similar results. Like, you expect someone to be like, oh, you know, you're nuts. What are you doing? I mean, I guess that could happen. But more often than not, I think they feel they can kind of resonate. And when you tell them something like that, remember, their cells have the memory of these lives. And when you share something like that, it's going to resonate in those cells. And on some level, they know it. I just keep going back, though, to this drama, as you called it, and that your client was murdered by this person. And I just imagine that conversation around the dinner table, you know, in a past life. um, (laughs) Did you know you murdered me and buried me in a gold mine? Um, And how that would be taken. It's like, oh, and and you, you even said that she could identify many of the people in her past life with current people. And then, and so in my imagination, I'm kind of picturing Thanksgiving dinner around, you know, very interesting Thanksgiving dinner (laughs) that year. But um, (laughs) so I think you're so right, though, it is individual. And people are going to take things whichever way. But what I found is when information comes from spirit, it is truth. And when we express truth as 
closely as possible to how it's transmitted to us, it's like beyond question or something. From my experience, it's so well taken by the other person, like what you're saying, because there's a resonation, there's a certain vibration there that hits home with them, that truth frequency or something like that. But another thing I wanted to bring up from what you were saying is I'm going to have to address this in my next past life regression session, but because the one I had, (laughs) I, I can't answer this. And that was your client could identify the people from the past life and the current life, you know, and we have soul groups mm-hmm. and things like that will often come into body and, and be surrounded with people we've known before, right? In past lives. Right. In the past life I experienced, I didn't have anybody close to me, really. But I would imagine, though, that there are some of these scenarios, some of these past lives that people learn about, and maybe they don't know who the people are. I guess maybe that's a variable. I, I guess that's why I bring that up. Sometimes you might be able to identify them, sometimes not. And maybe it just depends on how important that is to whatever issue is being addressed and healed. You know, the reason why that past life surfaced. Exactly. Because as you recall, and I'm sure Linda told you this, that the content of the past life is guided by spirit. Spirit determines what is going to come forward in that past life. So you did not recognize anyone in that first past life regression that you recognize in your current incarnation. Perhaps that was because that wasn't the purpose of that past life regression. It was not meant for that information to come forward at that time. So it it all comes down to accepting and trusting that spirit knows what it's doing and it knows what is in our highest good. We just need to accept and trust that and sort of surrender to the whole process. When we do that, it makes it so much easier. Yes. And as you were talking, something occurred to me about that past life regression that I had. And I'd appreciate your input on this. Exactly what was needed came through and nothing more. It was absolutely very clear and concise. It was Uh, a Mm -hmm. very narrow focus. It was not confusing. It was very straightforward and very matter of fact, the whole process for me. And so I could totally see that where any relationship recognition or anything like that, it was completely beside the point of what the lesson was for me there. And so, of course, it was left out. Right. And I think that to me, that's what spirit is all about. It's about to the point and truth. Spirit's not going to bring information to us to confuse us or to complicate things or anything like that. It's just about very, and I I don't want to use the word, but I'm going to surgical. It's very, very precise and accurate. And Mm -hmm. again, I want to say matter of fact, because even though I had emotion that came with it, it wasn't tangled up. It wasn't hurtful. It wasn't damaging in any way, as emotion might right. be, where I might need to recover from something. Again, it was just very plain and true and uncomplicated. 
And that's what you needed at that time. Now, I know you're scheduled for another regression. It will likely be a very different experience, but there's no guarantee that it will be. Again, spirit guides the content. So buckle up. I know. <laughs> I can't say. wait to see. <laughs> and it's interesting what you say about the emotion as well, because I know it was emotional for you. I said before that the emotion is a sign that what you're experiencing is real. And that's the truth. But also, I think it's spirit's way of helping you get past your left brain because I know you're a left brain person in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. It has the effect of letting you get past that left brain and giving you that emotion so that you know that what you're experiencing is real, but not giving you too much so that it becomes debilitating and it prevents you from learning more. It's a fine line. Spirit always, always, always knows what it's doing and what is best for us. And when I approach anything that I do, any work that I do with spirit or any of the work I even do in my life, I always approach it with that thought. Spirit knows what it's doing. We mm -hmm. just need to relax and enjoy the ride as best we can, right? Right, right. That's certainly a ride, that's for sure. Andrea, you've been practicing Reiki for a long time, and I have to imagine that you've encountered sessions in which you've received information about past lives. I'm sure it has happened to you as well. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you'd like to share with us or any particular experience that stands out to you? There sure is, Kathleen. I'd really be happy to share the experience with you and our listeners as well. And while I have done Reiki sessions for many years, I have to say I didn't really open myself up or really ask about past lives. I came to Reiki first and you were attracted to past lives first. We kind of approached Reiki from different backgrounds, which I love. And I have to say, Reiki did bring past lives up. And I guess it was in the best interest of the client because I certainly wasn't looking. And I want to share a session that I had. And it was actually last November, November of 2020. I will say this was from a distant session. And I think that that did help with the clarity of what did come through. And what I'll offer first is this client had come to me two other times for sessions and they were just pretty standard Reiki sessions and he felt there was great value there. But this third session was very unexpected and his focus was very physical. He presented saying that he had troubles with ulcers, indigestion, uh, abdominal bloating, anxiety, fatigue, you know, these sorts of things. But he was having a lot of digestive issues. We did the session and I started it just like any other session. And as soon as I started, though, I started getting insights I took notes, and I'm going to refer to my notes here because I don't want to lose any of that message that comes through. I don't want to get anything wrong, so to speak. But what I wrote was that it seems like he's been in battle, like one after the next, like there was no break for him. And I saw a uniform that he was wearing. He had this uniform. It was full of holes, and the holes weren't repaired. The feeling was that there was no time for that. 
Um, you know, if, if there had been time, they would have fixed his uniform or replaced his uniform. But the battle just kept going on and on. So he would go from one location to the next fighting. The feeling was he was very war-torn. And I had to quote that phrase, war-torn. Just a feeling of him being very tired and worn down. I then saw him with a white compress on his forehead. And I was administering Reiki there at that time. So when I moved my hands, intending to Reiki his forehead, this is the image that I saw. He was still in his fatigues. And then I moved my hands to over his ears, which is interesting because now learning from you, that would be near his past life chakras, right? Yeah. That's, that's right. But what I saw at that point, I saw more of the scene where he was located. I saw a large room and there were a lot of cots laid just one after another. And the cots, it's amazing the level of detail that I could see and I could stick with. And it was just so remarkable as the practitioner. And keep in mind that the client was at his home, relaxing, enjoying the Reiki energy, uh, but he had no idea what I was viewing on my end until the end when we went over it. But I could sense the mood of this room. It was chaotic. It was hurried. There were lots of people very busy. The rails on the cot were a light wood, and they were very beat up. The wood was nicked, and there were indentions in the wood. Again, the level of detail was just amazing. I could hear sounds of battle, gunshots and blasts. At his clavicle, there was a sense that he was out of his body at that point. Not in real time during the Reiki session, but back then. When I put my hands at his heart, I actually saw like this mini movie and the people, the healthcare workers that were attending to him were giving him chest compressions. They had uh, run a line or an IV to him. They were trying to stabilize him. My vision widened and I could tell that his, for lack of a better term, I wrote guts. His guts were messed up. They were very injured. And then something really odd happened. I saw the people there that were helping him sprinkle a powder onto his abdomen and his guts, as I said, were, it was all a big mess, but they were sprinkling this powder over his wounded abdomen and all the way from his uh, near his solar plexus to his navel. And the feeling was gunpowder, like they were sprinkling gunpowder or something like that. And I have no knowledge of anything like that ever happening. I don't know about battle back then. The feeling to me was around World War I. You know, it was around that era. But anyway, I wrote down, it feels like gunpowder, question mark. <laughs> was this ever even done? question mark. So sometimes we get information and it just sounds crazy. And, and I always write that stuff down because who knows? But anyway, to, to move on, the damage that he had in his abdomen was just too much. 
I saw flies on the wound. And it might sound scary or grotesque, but from the vantage of the Reiki practitioner, for me, it wasn't really that at all. It was just sort of, it reminds me of that past life thing. It was kind of matter of fact, just kind of viewing things. And then I heard the words, it's over. And I saw someone holding his hand on his right side and he passed away. And I, as the practitioner who had just gone into this thinking, oh yeah, he's got some abdominal symptoms going on. I had no idea what was in store during that session. That is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I like the way you said it was matter of fact. The word that kept coming to me was detached. Spirit gives us that level of detachment so we can accurately convey what we're experiencing to the client without us being sucked into the emotion of what that must have been like. So it's that feeling of detachment and That's done for our protection. That's spirit looking out for us. Absolutely. Right. And I think, too, it helps us hold space for them because at this point in a session, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, what am I going to tell him (laughs) when I talk to him at the end of the session? This is a bit crazy. And what am I going to do? So as the practitioner, I'm already starting to have those sort of wonderings in my mind. And then it continued. And at one point I thought, okay, he's passed on. And I thought maybe this is, you know, that's it. But no, it continued. What happened next was the person that was by his side got up and they moved him. There was a feeling, and this is interesting, as they moved him, I just had this feeling. That's all I can really say that, what did I write? He's just one of many things or objects. And I had to quote that. Once he had died, he was just one of many, many bodies. And then it became uh, just kind of where to place him. Uh, It was really an odd feeling. I wrote, placed aside, making room for the next live ones, the next soldiers that would need to come in. I wrote, maybe they will have a better chance. This is all the feeling that was coming through. The people helping are on to the next and then to the next. Senseless destruction and for what? Happening in secrecy because no one there to witness what was happening and to tell the stories of the dead and the effort that went into saving them. Senseless that man would harm man in this way with disregard for life itself, so futile, so senseless, without sense and without senses engaged of those involved, self-preservation, living depended on a separation of awareness of how senseless it all was, illusion of war being necessary, a feeling of man into hatred and duty for the purpose of a few to hold on to what they deem essential lies. Then I tuned back into my client and there was a sense of wholeness and a sense of him being seen. And I was pretty flabbergasted at at that point. That's incredible. That is a remarkable, remarkable experience, both for you and for your client. 
And it just goes to show how powerfully healing past life information can be. It defies words. It really defies words how healing it can be. Yeah. And if I can just finish this, I know I've been talking quite a while, but... Go right ahead. As I mentioned, as the practitioner, this didn't routinely happen to me where I would view these past life scenes. I've had other episodes of past life viewing and things like this and knowledge to come in. But for something so specific, this this one really did stand out. And it was very moving to me. And so at that point in the session, when I felt he, there was this sense of wholeness, I inquired to spirit, is there a message for him now after viewing all that? You know, what's the takeaway here? And I'll just read you the message that came through just as I wrote it. I, I wouldn't want to paraphrase it and lose anything. I wrote, this has been an exercise in restoring wholeness in the energy field of another by witnessing the unseen resonating energy they have been vibrating with as of late. By remembering the bridge is completed and the once suspended energy can re-merge with the life force currently circulating to enliven the tissues of the current body. By restoring the energy swell, healing to a greater degree is more possible. We invite him to explore his greater self further to continue to restore his energy system into a more vital alignment. For when he is in wholeness, vitality is realized. Call back the long-left-behind fragments, home to your current signature vibration. The rest knows what to do by its nature. Simply allow. And I felt like I was able to convey that, to share that with him. And he had a path, an intention to walk forward with, to help him from that moment forward to heal even deeper. Reiki and Spirit gave him a priceless gift in that session. Not only did he receive the benefit of Reiki, he also received information that allows him to move forward in this current incarnation without the trappings and the baggage of that particular life, which clearly he was dragging around with him. And I followed up with him just recently. And as I said a moment ago, this was back in November of last year. And so it's been several months. And I'd like to tell everyone that he's reported a remarkable healing, physical healing of so much that ailed him. And with great concentration, in his abdomen. So all of those issues that he was struggling with for, and I have to say, years, he was just in Mm -hmm. very war-torn shape, even in this lifetime, dealing with these physical issues. And this past life and the message that he gained from that session from spirit, I mean, it's certainly not me. I'm just the the go-between. But what he was able to receive that day during that session translated for him on every level 
physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And he attributes his great healing on all of those levels to what happened in that session. And I just want to convey that Reiki, that healing work, past life regression, these things are real. These things have profound impact on people and what a joy it is and how humbling it is. And I, I would bet you would completely agree, Kathleen, to, to be a part of this work. Oh, absolutely. You cannot underestimate the power of Reiki, the power of spirit. And honestly, all we need to do is allow it into our lives and to accept and to trust. Once we do that, miracles really do occur. That is a fascinating story. And I'm so glad that he has been able to reap the benefits in such an encompassing way. I mean, it sounds like his entire life turned around after that. It does. How inspiring. And you know what? When you were just talking and you used the word miracle, right? Isn't it amazing, though? Because the miracle very much came from him, through him, because of him, and in spite of him, you know? It's like everything at (laughs) once. But the common denominator is him. And I think we so often look for the miracle to come from somewhere out there. And yes, there was sort of this partnership of the energy, of spirit, of Reiki, of source, working with him. But you see, it's the person, it's the client, it's the one who is ready for healing to happen that is the true instrument of the shift the true ingredient that is necessary. No one can change that. No one can make that opportunity happen. It comes from them. Exactly. And yes, spirit helped tremendously, as did Reiki. But as spiritual beings, we already carry that within ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it does come from us. And you're right. We tend to look outwards and externally for answers and for assistance At the end of the day, it all comes from us. And I think it's important that we all begin to realize that and realize just how powerful we are at healing ourselves. We have these tools at our disposal, which definitely smooth the path. And really all we need to do, and I'm going to repeat it, accept and trust. Allow Mm -hmm. spirit to do what it does best. Allow it to work within us as spiritual beings. That's who we are. And... The miracle. The miracle is just waiting to happen at any time. It is. And you know what? Every person is worthy to receive the miracle of who they are in wholeness, in absolute wholeness. Wholeness and authenticity. That's what we talk about. And it's the truth. Everyone is worthy of that. And it's just a matter of, are we willing to open ourselves to it? When you were talking and we were talking a few moments ago about how you know, Reiki is a vehicle and all those kinds of things. I had a really interesting experience several years ago when I was taking the Holy Fire Master Class, and the students were working on each other, as you do in a class. And as I was treating my partner at the time, 
I had my hands near his ears, and in retrospect, I realize now that those were the past life chakras I was near, although I wasn't using them at the time. Right. (laughs) And I'm just kind of doing my thing, all right, channeling the energy, working with the holy fire, kind of in the moment. And all of a sudden, I have this clear-as-day image pop into my head of a giant railroad spike being driven through his neck from the side and coming out the other side. It was graphic. It was clear. It was gruesome. And I gasped. I just went, (gasps) it was so unexpected and honestly so gross. (laughs) I was like, what the (laughs) heck just happened here? You know? (laughs) Talk about ruining the mood, right? I know, Um, right? (laughs) So afterwards, I, I told him what I had seen. And I said, I, I have no idea what that was. He just looked at me with this expression of shock and said, you know, I've had this pain in my neck for as long as I can remember, and no one can figure out why. And he said, I know you don't know me well, but I'm a railroad enthusiast. I'm really into railroads and trains. And I said, <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> Okay, then. So, and this was in the context of a Reiki masterclass. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And, you know, since we started this episode with talking about past lives through the Reiki lens, I thought that might be a good place to kind of top off that even in the context of a class, you know, you're doing your thing, learning. It can just pop up anywhere. Reiki really is a vehicle. And as we say, the gateway to so many cool things happening and to enabling those miracles. Absolutely true. I love the fact that you shared that and it was in a class. And I think that that just underscores the universality of Reiki. You know, you were there to learn. You weren't there to provide a session or feedback or anything like that. That wasn't your focus at all. Mm -mm. And wow, that's just amazing. And, you know, that's one reason I love Reiki, because you can't prepare for it. It is a ride like no other. All you can do is learn and set your intention and get out of the way. And who knows where you're going to go with it or your client. And so I just love that, that it's beyond all reason. (laughs) As I always say, buckle up, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Kathleen, I think we got to wrap it up. Another episode in the can, so to speak. I think so. We'd like to take a moment just for a small announcement. And first, we'd just like to say how grateful we are for you listening sending in your ideas and feedback. We are both having so much fun and enjoying the relationship that we're building with you as you tune in to the different episodes and interact with us. We'd also like to extend an invitation to those of you who'd like to do a little bit more to support Kathleen and myself. If the idea resonates with you and you'd like to help us out, you can find a link in the show notes below each episode or also on our website. We've tried to make it easy for you And you can buy us a cup of coffee or two. And it's really not coffee, but it's just a cute little way to send in a few dollars here and there. With that being said, if you're guided to help us, we certainly appreciate it. But if you can't, or you just don't feel like the time is right for you to do that, we completely understand. And don't worry, 
Kathleen and I are committed to continue bringing you the episodes that we hope you'll find engaging, thought-provoking, and perhaps a little bit of fun along the way. Thank you again for joining us, and we would invite you to return to another episode as we journey beyond the Reiki Gateway with Kathleen Johnson and Andrea Kennedy.